0: To another exciting episode of what's of reward the, the podcast for those of you who may not know this is a podcast that focuses on love life relationships and everything in between everyone has a story to tell we just want to know what's yours and for long time and regular listeners including big boy salute, salute. my name is Wardy ward and the deep thinking brother to my left is none other than trey all day in the flesh what's good my brother what's going on Wardy Ward? you know how we do Yes, sir. This podcast has a goal of interviewing, promoting, and learning from people who are making a difference in the world with an ideal, business, personal story, and more. Our studio guest today definitely falls in this category as well. Ladies and gents, please welcome Reggie L. Sanders Sr. to the lab today. How you doing, Reggie?
1: Oh, thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right. Good to have you here.
0: Hey, Reggie, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Reggie Sanders?
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I was born in uh, Western Pennsylvania, a small town called Farrell, PA. I'm an honorary discharge Marine Corps veteran. I ooh, got, got a ton of experience in a lot of areas. I am the inventor and creator of a new type of board game called Political Surgery, President Trump Edition. Mm-hmm. I modeled it after the original Operation franchise, but uh, they lack a little diversity and they're kind of one-sided, and they've never had a game come to them like mine, so I've had to kind of do this all on my own.
0: Okay. Now, before we get into the meat of that, I'm going to ask you a few questions so the audience members can get an idea of who you are. So tell us, uh, do you have any kids, and, or are you just a uh, single? What, what about you? We're trying to find that out
1: no no i'm uh i'm, I'm over 50. <laughs> okay. no i'm 52 i have uh, three daughters surviving in this world unfortunately i've lost three sons i had twin sons of birth joshua and jeremiah okay. and i lost okay. my my eldest son reggie jr uh just a couple of years ago he had malignant hypertension oh good. i'm just i'm just grateful not grateful but appreciative that it was a natural death because uh-huh. you know, when the father calls you home, you got to go. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad, in the typical way that the average black man leaves this world these days.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, also, tell us a little bit about a few of the jobs you had in the past too. I like to know what what people have done up to to the things that are, you know led up to where you are now. What were some you of your favorite jobs?
1: well uh coming out I, I gotta mention high school coming out of high school I got out in 77 we won the championship for WPIAL and something about being on a championship team whether you're male or female regardless of sport, it does something to you and it stays with you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. so going from there I went to the Marine Corps. I mean after winning the championship in football and my dad was in the National Guard I had several cousins in the Marine Corps my everybody in my family. You know, had been in the military at one point or another mm-hmm. but after seeing that Marine Corps recruiter come in and them dress blues that was it I <laughs> <That> was the... <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um, I passed up a Marshall College and Union College uh, to play football to join the Marine Corps I don't know I just after that time yeah I didn't I don't know I just at some point like I said, again after taking those tests and seeing that recruiter that bug bit me and uh-huh. I just know what I wanted to do yeah yeah uh, Got out okay. the Marine Corps and came, I got out of the Marine Corps and came back home to western Pennsylvania. And it was a steel mill town. Well, mm-hmm. we had seven mills in my hometown. Uh, by the time I came home, they were down to three, and they were about one-third of what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because of economics, is no work. I'm like everybody else, hang drywall, do some roofing, some electrical here and there, whatever I can do, cut grass. Well, I wasn't good enough for the state of Wisconsin, they saw fit to sentence me to eight and a half years in prison for child support. What? Eight, and a half. Oh. Eight, eight and a half eight and a half and the killer was when I got behind bars it was rough to say the least because inmates until they got to know me couldn't believe that anybody got that kind of time for child support guards and correctional officials thought that I was some kind of plant there to watch them <laughs> because <laughs> nobody gets this kind of time for child support yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can laugh about wow. it now it, it was funny Whoa. then but <laughs> Was that
0: minimum security or
1: something? Or how did that work? Oh, no, no, no. Wisconsin, everybody's fair game up there, man. You might go to Wisconsin on a traffic and because they're overcrowded, they'll find a way of flangling your sentence into medium security. Mm. Get to one of those places and get in the slightest skirmish with somebody. They treat you like a child and then they ship you off to maximum security like they did me at Green Bay, mm. you know? Oh, yeah, it, it's they had a thing back then called the Wisconsin plan. And this was in like the... Oh, do, 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 late 90s, middle 90s, early 2000. Anything you did in Wisconsin, it was to get you to accept uh, probation or, you know, probation, which if you're under probation, you become under the administrative rules of a state mm-hmm. and the regular constitution doesn't apply to you. So basically, you're, you're on probation, which is the same thing as parole. You just hadn't been behind bars yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what they did to get all kind of people behind bars. Like I said, they wow. sent me they. I was out of work about three years, and I didn't know at the time before the hearing the mayor of my hometown was my civics teacher. He had sent a letter to the court telling them what I just explained, and that three-quarters of the children in my high school were a live below the poverty line. The city had lost so much revenue, they had to turn off every other street light in the grid throughout town because they couldn't afford the electric bill. Mm. But uh, it didn't matter Wisconsin, it was all about money and getting people locked up and if you ask me, it was the same thing that happened with the Trump administration bringing the children across the border.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they learned that from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Ask, ask around. I guarantee you, somebody in your hometown and done time in Wisconsin, if you're from Illinois, Michigan, Indiana or Minnesota, oh buddy, they was getting anybody they could if you crossed that line for any reason. Oh my God. If, now, if with, shot, was, was it cold
0: in there? And the, 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 the prison there, like what do you wear in the wintertime in Wisconsin prison?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, pretty much the thing you see on TV instead of it being an orange jumpsuit just they're either brown, green uh, mm-hmm. the type of smocks that you scrub that you see somebody wearing.
2: I
0: mean mm-hmm. I mean I mean I just figured it was cold I thought they did get like jackets or stuff inside or did they have? Oh
1: well yeah you you yeah you'll get a little winter coat if you're gonna go out from building to building. Uh, when I was up there in Green Bay that was you know that was the, the epitome of it all. But yeah, it's it's so cold. Where are you going? You're not going outside, right? And in fact, Mm -hmm. in fact, I ended up in the hole once. You know, and you can go the hole. That's solitary confinement.
0: Oh,
1: in in Wisconsin, prison in Wisconsin is more like adult daycare. They've got so many people in for so many reasons just to make revenue. You know, they're trying to make it as easy and as comfortable for you as, as you can. When you talk to somebody, I've heard it countless times. Oh, come on, Sanders! You know how it is. You've been down before. No, I haven't been down before. No, not all black men have been to jail. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it's it's yeah. a revenue maker. And all that's of this all, from, all
3: of this is from child support. That's, that's all this know.
1: is from. Yeah, the three years I was out of work when I came home, the meals shut down. You do like everybody else. You whatever you can hustle is legal. Mm. Now, sure, I can. I could have went out and, and peddled dope like everybody else in polluted society, and got a case and gave them a real reason to put me behind bars. Mm. You know. Okay.
3: They, so, uh, so you were so graduated high school in the late seventies. Went into the military, the Marines and uh, core member for life since from seventy seven. How long were you in the middle, in the military?
1: Oh no, I was only in the military three years, two months, twenty nine days. So, okay. That's right. Now, after I got out the military, when I came home, my best friend from the Marine Corps, uh, Howard Thompson, he was a, a, a retired Cook County medical examiner in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He called one day and said, hey, man, if you're not working, I can get you a job. Well, at the time, I was out on the back porch skinning some game that my neighbor had got. And I'm, hey, holding the phone under my shoulder. Hey, Believe it or not, I'm pretty much doing an autopsy right now. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Chicago and I worked at the Cook County medical Examiner's for three and a half years. Uh, um, there I did about 3,800 forensic autopsies. Somewhere near, near a lot. about. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we we would do we were on like a court a rotating court schedule and we would work uh Monday through Friday. You know, you work six days a week till Friday's your first day off, then you're off Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Next week you're off. Uh so what was it uh well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then Sunday Monday and Tuesday, I forgot now, but basically you work six days a week, you know, for five. Weeks. Then you got two weeks with a three-day weekend, and we would get anywhere from three to six uh, cases a day, and we had six tables operating at the time. So wow, yeah, it get busy. Right? It was we'd have to. It was a lot like the TV show Mash when you come yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. we cracking jokes, cutting up because you got to to kind of relieve some of the tension mm-hmm. of what you're. I mean, you you know, you're opening up human cadavers that come in under any circumstance and you name it. I've seen it oh, countless wow. times. Well,
0: yeah, them, we can definitely say you like going to places, town with cold weather. so <laughs> Ooh, well,
1: yeah, well, see, that's the thing with global warming. It's not so bad now. You know, now I find it. Hey, Chicago didn't even get snow once until Christmas. So that's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, yeah so I'm um, moving to Chicago. Moving to Chicago was cool. I, I did a lot, um, learned a lot. In fact, when I was telling you in the phone conversation, if you saw the Maud Arbery trial, yes. the pathologist who testified, Edmund R. Donahue. Mm-hmm. They didn't even put his little initial on the screen, but it's Edmund R. Donahue. He was the uh, deputy chief medical examiner when I was in Chicago for four years. Mm. He He was second under Dr. Robert Stein. Dr. Stein was kind of like the mold for the Quincy TV show back in the day. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what my job was. If there was a, a, the character Sam, well, that's what I did. You know, they made it sound like a lot, but really the main qualification for it is if you knew somebody who can get you in a job and you had the stomach to do it and enough intelligence to know what you're doing is important and not to mess it up. Mm -hmm. The rest of that, they kind of just, they taught you there really.
3: So how long did it take me to get used to, uh, to, to working with cadavers? I mean, that's that's not something that everyone can do. So was it something <laughs> like you just like, hey, I have to build some deworms for? Like, take some smelling salts and let me get in here and
1: do this thing Okay. <laughs> now, all that stuff you see on CSI and those TV shows, throw it out the window. I remember one episode of CSI where they went to the hotel room and of all the samples of bodily fluids in this sleazy motel, we found the one that went to the criminal. It don't work like that in the real world. The real world (laughs) is more like an episode of Two and a Half Men
2: when uh, Charlie
1: Sheen was on it. Charlie Sheen, I guess it was like a pun on CSI, and they went to the motel room and it's shining the the, uh, infrared lights you can see different Mm -hmm. whatever and there's this stuff everywhere and then they look up well how did it get up there well pretty much in a real world yeah Uh, there was a a CSI where a guy was on the roof someone shot him the bullet went through and through that's through one side and back out the other off the edge of the hotel roof and they found it in the parking lot just four feet from the building 24 stories below get out of
2: here
3: that's right yeah that'll happen made for tv drama gotcha
1: (laughs) yeah so so i can't even watch i don't even watch those shows but when you go down the hardest part is are that each one of us to work there we all got some little trigger that comes up you know little flashback memory with me it's the smell of jerry curl grease Mm. we got jerry curls right Mm -hmm. that chemical you put in your hair because back then during the 80s it was really popular and every case when you get done because average you gotta wash them down. When that hot water hits them, that smell will come. And to me, when I smell that smell, it triggers a memory. I've mm-hmm. got another, one. he can't stand to look at cranberry sauce anymore. Because mm-hmm. coagulant blood mm-hmm. in the chest cavity, you're taking sure. his big lady once you get his lungs out, looks exactly like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I another friend, my buddy is a certain cologne that a lot of Caucasian women wear. I think it was, was it? I don't wanna call any brand names, but it was a famous actress. She had a cologne mm-hmm. related to some. Well, that was really popular in Chicago. Well, and seven out of ten of the Caucasian women that came in was wearing that. So now, whenever he smells that, it triggers a memory in him. You know, it's you know. But yeah, the hardest part is is just the fact that it you know, it's your first day. If you get there and like, and everybody who applies knows what you're going for when you apply, so mm-hmm. you're, you're prepared for it. The yeah. fun part is when they send the cops down, the student nurses, the a mortuary science school, the police academy. When they come down, oh, yeah, it's just like the scene from Quincy. We were standing <laughs>
3: people be falling out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're almost placing wagers on which one's gonna go first. Oh, I look man. at my boy like this. I'll take my baby finger and point, like, yeah, him, him, yeah, he's the right, one I want. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> right. there's people in there with oh, wow. He's crossed. It's like, nah, nah, nah. He takes his thumb and will point, nah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Sooner or later, they, and you can tell because they start to sway. Mm. And they're like, mm. Mm. They out. Yeah,
0: but I think they call those jobs a, a morgue diner now. I think that's what it they, is.
2: Yeah, right. that that that
1: a, Yeah, a diner. Well, I think that was an old German word for like helper or servant or something like that. We didn't really care for that term because since it was all black men down there doing it, it kind of made us feel like, hey, don't call me no diener. I'm an autopsy forensic autopsy technician, right. or you can just call me Reggie. But. Right. um yeah, you see people put like VIX Vapor Rub and all that up near their nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard no, of
0: that,
1: yeah. That don't work. Forget that. The mm-hmm. best thing you can do is take your upper lip. You know how you take your upper lip and rub your mustache on your nose or put your if you don't have a mustache for you women, take your upper lip and put it against your nose mm-hmm. and breathe like that. Mm-hmm. Now the other stuff, if you put vape Vaseline or VIX, all it's gonna do is the particles you're breathing in, it's gonna stick to that. And then you're going to stir it in. It'll be there all day long. Plus, you're smelling vapor rub and fumes up in your eye. Mm-hmm. Nah. All you can do is do that. R- roll your lip up, your upper lip against your nose, and tough it out. Okay.
0: Nah. Well, um, this is Ward. I would like to say that there are a lot of women out there who do have mustaches, but
3: that's beside the point.
0: <laughs> no, but, that's uh... a
3: whole other show. Hold on, let me put oh, the frame right there. On behalf of the What's Up <laughs> Award Show, we do not discriminate against women with mustaches. And I'm back to
0: you,
2: Ward. <laughs> All right, Reggie.
0: Uh, let's get into your game. Let's move on and talk about that. Uh, thanks for sharing that about that that job. That does seem like an interesting job, especially if you, you, you you had a whirlwind life there. You went from from the service to to jail to to the, to the
1: prison came after my, my time at the, at the medical examiner's that's oh, okay, okay, uh,
0: when okay, i did, gotcha. yeah.
1: I, didn't, I didn't get that case until what uh 2007 and the killer was i'm on probation i'm in chicago you're checking in my probation agent kathy baker one of the nicest ladies did her job professionally Wisconsin will put out a warrant, a warrant for your arrest, and then don't tell the state you have the interstate compact with. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought that's my whole time in prison when they when they revoked my uh, my parole, mm-hmm. eight eight and a half years. Well, I argued the fact that hey, for two and a half years, I've got two years worth of records checking in with Chicago, never missed a date, stellar recommendations. He's my best client. I don't know why we we have to do this for him. La la Well. When we found out there was a warrant for my arrest, which Fonson never told anyone, they had it hidden in the system for two years. My PO didn't even know. it. She had to go around to the back to the police station, use their computer just to verify the fact that I told her, hey, I got a letter saying there's been arrest for my warrant for the last two years. So they set up a system, put everybody on it, then circumvented in every way possible, knowing that you are a poor African-American male or female who's coming to your rescue. Who are you going to talk to? The system's geared to put you in there and make money off of you.
3: That's mm. yeah. that
1: so that's how. Time. So that's how I got the uh, eight and a half year prison sentence for being out of work for three years as an honorably discharged marine in a broke down steel mill town.
0: Yeah. Did you? Did you have to do the full eight and a half years?
1: I did five and a, uh, five and a half years, and oh, when I got out, still a long time. Yeah, uh, when I got out, I did three years of, of on on parole here in Harrisburg. That's where I got my paralegal degree at uh, Harrisburg Area Community College. I mm-hmm. uh, interned two semesters in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives and the Legislative Black Caucus. At the time, uh, Philadelphia Representative Vanessa Brown was the chair and Brandon Flood, who's now the secretary of pardons in Pennsylvania. He was the uh, my direct boss.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and from that, uh, my neighbor, Representative Patty Kim, I got to give all these people their props. My neighbor, who's the uh, our state representative Patty Kim, she referred me for a position in the governor's office on his staff at the uh, constituent services, and I was Governor Wolf's receptionist until some Republicans in the capital found out that there's an ex-con black man sitting behind the desk that no black man's ever done before, and I've been out of work ever since. It was horrible. I um. Mm-hmm. Wh- You start a job and you go in and you you look at everything. Okay, I look at my desk. Everything's set up. Two monitors. Okay, yeah, this is fine. Leave it just like it is. A week later when I started, they had stripped the desk clean. They even took the lamp off the desk. The double monitors gave me a laptop. When you close it, it wouldn't shut off. The next day I come to work, I open the laptop. And before I could type what I was working on the night before, came up on the screen. I've never seen any laptop do that in the world ever. Even your own. You got to put your code in to get back
2: in. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. but no. that was because I was the first black man ever hired off the street to be the governor's receptionist. And Pennsylvania is a really Republican state. Uh, it's it's anchored in... I mean, it started out with the right idea from William Penn, come here and escape religious persecution and bowing your head to the king. Well, now it's been done like everywhere else. They use filibuster and gerrymandering and everything else. So We have minority rule. and hmm. That's pretty much why had you know, to end up leaving the governor's office
3: wow hey hey jerry this is Trey. i thought it was kind of interesting here here you have a man who has you know never spent a day in in in, in, in jail you, you know you you had the situation you're trying to take care of your child support doing the right thing ironically wisconsin has an issue with you and then you get taken up to wisconsin recently, there was a young gentleman who actually lived in Illinois, went across state lines to Wisconsin, I believe, Yeah. yeah. caused some issues. Uh, actually, I think someone may have died, maybe two, and nothing happened. But that's a whole different show. So, I, I just want to put out the irony on that. You know, I just want to yeah. put that out there.
2: Mm-hmm. Really, yeah.
1: yeah, And he's absolutely right. When that kid crossed that line, first of all, he couldn't have that weapon at his age in Illinois. So, if you can't have it in Illinois you cross state lines with that weapon, you've committed a crime right then and there. Not only did he come across the line with it and did what he did, I'm assuming from what I caught in the trial that he went back home because after the cops gave him some water and sent him on his merry little way, uh, I'm assuming he went back home, spent the night or day or two, whatever it was, and then came back to Wisconsin again to bring the weapon back with him. So that means you've been back and forth across straight lines with a weapon you're never supposed to have in the first place. And not single charge? No, no. See, they didn't go after him like they would go after anybody else.
0: That's just ironic, to say the least. Yeah. That's one say. word to call it, ironic, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: I call it by design myself, but, you know, I'm I, I'm cynical, so.
0: <laughs> okay. So, Reggie, uh, going back to the game, we'll try to get back to the game. Is right. Your past encounters with uh, the political system, is that what uh, generated this desire to create this game? And tell us a little bit about the game and, and how it works, too. Okay, your creation.
1: Now, what I invented, like I said, it's called Political Surgery, President Trump Edition. In my little spiel I put everywhere, created by me for Hasbro's Operation franchise, but they lack a spine, diversity, and my sense of humor. If it's in the news about Trump, it's an element in my patent pending political novelty and skills challenge game. But beware, hidden magnets and steel game pieces makes this game a totally rigged system, folks. I've been spreading that everywhere, just, you know, trying to get the word out. And that's pretty much what it is. My brother Mike had the original game back in the 60s when it came out. We played it, loved it. Well, over the years, you know, there's like 20 versions of the original operation. There's three Star Wars, a Shrek, a Despicable Me, a a Spider-Man, a Dory, a Noah's Ark version. There's a Homer Simpson version that talks when you Make an error along with the buzzer. There's a little laugh, a little track that's don't. Oh, oh, this isn't right, you know, all that in his voice. Well, between doing the autopsies and having the game, and oh, and the main thing, what, what I think why I got political is my mother was ran for school board when I was in elementary. She later up being the first black woman elected to city council in my hometown. She did a couple terms. Uh, she ran for mayor, but you know, by then she's getting older. So she's retired. So our house was a meeting place for politics as a kid. So when everybody left and we couldn't watch TV and I had to miss Gilligan's Island cause folks was watching, you know, having a political meeting, yeah. my sister would line us all up and we'd march around the house. I'm being the youngest of seven kids, politics, politics makes me sick. Politics, politics makes me sick. I think all of that plus with the crap that I've been through and you can't fight back. I mean, you can't outgun America. All you can do in America is go out here and vote and don't fall for the okie doke. You know? Yes. Best thing you can do. Uh, little stuff that, that they put into to brothers' heads. Wearing your pants baggy, hanging off you with it. I know that sounds old, but really, there's a reason for that. Let's say you got to move in a hurry for whatever the reason is, good, bad, or indifferent. You can't do anything because your pants is falling off of you. It limits you. A person can look at you and think, hmm, he's of a certain mindset. And whether you are or not, for good or bad, you've been labeled that way. And certain doors are closed to you. Mm -hmm. See, that's why a lot of stuff they put out here for us that we don't need to fall for. Never mind how it looks. Macho. I don't care. You can call me what you want to call me. A perfect example. I heard guys in prison use the phrase, man, why don't you want to join us? What you come to prison to get scared for? Well, first of all, I didn't want to come to prison.
3: <laughs> I ain't scared. Why <laughs> right, right,
1: yeah. in God's name would I want to sit here and do some illegal gambling? And there's a camera right up here, over top of your head, looking at y'all gamble. Come on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then when you get busted, or they have a reason to search your cell, and they find all this other stuff that you ain't got a receipt for, well, that's contraband. We ain't gonna throw you in a hole, but you ain't keeping it. Mm. So, it's mm. stuff that they do brothers that we just gotta stop and think think two three steps ahead because believe me if it's in front of you in this country it's either a set up or it's by pure accident so you gotta look at it you know as a black man that's where I look at things now mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so so for this game you create who's your target audience for the game or is this just a novelty item that you're just selling just to I mean you're trying to get <laughs> like shark tank or something or
1: well you know, yeah, See, in the last few years so I'm trying to get this out I can't get on Shark Tank because you can't be on a lot of these television programs if you have a felony record. Oh. They made sure that a lot of black men get felony records. In fact, that child support order they arrested me on came out like back in the 80s. I forgot the full federal statute. It might have been something like the uh, Title 18, Section 666 or Title 24, Section 666. That part I remember for sure. And the biggest debate when they made that law wasn't the fact that you were making a law and you told states, we're going to cut off your child support aid and your, your highway appropriations money if you don't join the program and go after these deadbeat dads. You had moved every mill in the country to Japan and to China and England, put all these black men who moved up from the South to the North to work in these steel mills, and now we're all going to jail because we ain't got a job. That was the biggest setup in the history of this country, along with the filibuster and that three-fifths clause in the Second Amendment of the Constitution. You know, a lot of this design. designed... To lock us up, incarcerate us, and control us, or make a dollar off of us.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like you have a, a, a very uh, deep background in politics. Do Do you think politics actually works, or should Should people get involved with it?
1: It works when it's not rigged against us, like the gerrymandering, stacking, taking people that live on two sides of the county, two counties away, and linking them somehow to people over here. That's divide uh-huh. up your vote. No, it, it does work, and, and as a kid, we hated politics, and, and I didn't even like politics when I first moved to Chicago. I didn't start getting interested in politics until I lived a couple blocks from Operation Push, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson's headquarters, mm-hmm. and I used to volunteer security. I taught Kung Fu to one of his uh, security guys and one of the deacons there, and I didn't get into politics until then, because it was back then, it was Mayor Harold Washington, And a handful of black, Hispanic, and Jewish aldermen versus the old trusty guard. (laughs) I'll just call them that. It was the 29 city aldermen versus the 21. And I really got interested because at one point, Harold Watson had to stand at a city council meeting and tell this one uh, councilman, who's now getting sentenced to prison, you about to get a mouthful of something you want. You don't want rent. You know, he was really he was ready to come off the podium and punch a man in his mouth. It was almost going to be a fight in, in Chicago City Hall. Wow. And then I realized, well, will they fight? So that's what got me interested in it. Then doing security for, for Reverend Jackson, I got to hear everything directly from everybody. And with my experience with my mom and then being a black man and the things that we have to go through and seeing how stacked the system is against us. Mm-hmm. All that combined to where doing autopsies, having the game, trying to fight back. And then when Trump took over office, I'm sitting here watching this and I just, it just came to my head. And I know what it is. There is no coincidence in the universe. If something happened, it happened for a reason. If it's the leaf landing on the hood of your car and you stopped to look at it or take it off the windshield, that wasn't by chance. Hey, you don't know. You could have gotten the car two seconds early, started up and then went to the stop sign and the car hit you, ran the stop sign. So don't discard anything until, you know, everything's done.
0: Okay. This is Ward again. Let me ask you this question again for well this politics. As a person who's uh, neutral in politics, what would you tell uh, uh, young black people about politics? And they say, hey, you know, I really don't want to get into it because, you know, it just, I see I'm not winning. It's, it's no benefit for me. What would you tell them?
1: I would tell them that's exactly what they want you to say. You are being controlled. If that's your mindset, <laughs> they don't care about you. They give you all the money in the world you want because you're gonna spend it up, burn it up, or make it rain with it, or buy 65 Mer- Mercedes, see, because they got you. Yeah. No, we have to vote. If you don't speak up and vote, okay? When you were kids, right back in the day, yeah. Hey, we're gonna get in the car. We're gonna go for a ride. We're going go fishing. All right, on the way home, we're we gonna stop Burger King or McDonald's. Didn't you vote? Would you want Burger King or McDonald's? <laughs> it ain't yeah. no different. If you want something in this world you have to vote to get it and if you don't vote they're going to put everything they want in there for them and you will have nothing you will never get out the ghetto you will never see any change don't fall for the okey-doke you see them voting and if your vote didn't matter they wouldn't have put the three-fifths clause in backdoor in slavery they wouldn't have made the doggone electoral college the electoral mm-hmm. college you needed it then because you had to gather all the votes one by one, put them on horseback, by buggy from town to town, to county seat, to county seat, to the state capital, from state capitol to D.C., right? That takes time. Well, we don't need that now. This technology I got in my hand right now, you can instantaneously talk to anybody on the planet right now in real time. And that's how you can do a vote. They keep that electoral college in, and that was put in to help slave owners. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, well I can't compete with that big all those people up there in the big cities it's just me and my wife and my three youngins and my parcel of pickaninnies. I gotta get something for them so they mm-hmm. gave a the slave owner three-fifths credit for a human being for uh-huh. every slave they had so it basically takes two slaves equal one person of non-color. back then it would have been uh, white males a handful of Native American tribes and a few sovereign foreign citizens that were here. They were the only ones that were allowed to vote. And if you look at the Constitution, it's not a complicated document. It's not like something now. It's only a few paragraphs of each amendment. So the Second Amendment tells you how you can count the vote and who can vote. So between that, so even if you did vote, we'd have to get two of two of us to equal one Caucasian vote.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: even if you get past that, then you got the Electoral College. And then the delegates, that's the whole thing that Trump and him tried here last year. Well, if you don't say, if you don't vote for him, why do you need uh, that delegate for your president to vote? That's the only election in this world where you have that for high Mm -hmm. school president. Didn't you have one student, one vote Hmm? for your mayor, one citizen, one vote, governor and on and on through all of them. Why is it just for that? It's a means of control to put a monkey wrench in the system when they want to.
0: I see. So well, it's, it's not so it's not, you're saying it's not really fair then. It's, it's no, no, so who, no, Who's, who's checking the, the people who are supposed to, I mean,
2: okay.
1: Now, if those people were bound to vote according to the numbers that they got, but they're not. When you elect an, a delegate. Yeah, well, this election was close and and there was only a discrepancy of 10, 20, 200 votes, whatever it is. I'm going to go ahead and pull. No, that delegate got to be if it's one vote then you've got to pull the lever for that one person. Otherwise, you're not doing what people said to do. Again, which is why they keep those safeguards in the system because they know, the system, no, I'd say they, the system knows that there are more of us on the plantation than there was of them. That same thing carried on in a lot of places. That's why at every every morgue you go to in a country, three quarters of the people in there every day are black males. Hmm. Any prison you go to half to three-quarters of the people in that prison is going to be black males. That's where all our numbers are, and it's why a lot of states won't let you vote once you've had a felony. Like Wisconsin, not let you do it. At least they didn't when when I was there, but I'm a Pennsylvania resident. They couldn't stop that. So It's all designed to keep you from voting, and voting, I'm telling you, man, they need to, if anybody listening that's got ties with some little gangbangers, that's usually out hooting and robbing and doing something criminal, make them catch, register, and vote. Okay, I'm telling you, that's what this country's afraid of. Just like in Georgia, when they had this last election and Raphael Warnock and, and 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 Ossoff won, well, that's because people came out and they voted and they shook the tree and they found out how much fruit was in the tree.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Hey Reggie, this is this is Trey again. I'm, I'm gonna go back to your analogy talking about, you know, when you're a kid came back from fishing and your parents, whoever's driving, said you want Burger King, you want McDonald's. Well, I remember. Right. Being in that backseat with three other siblings, and our votes didn't equal the one behind the person who's driving the steering wheel. So <laughs> <laughs> that'd be mine didn't either. I think <laughs> that three three-fifths vote uh, was, was more like, was uh, uh, more like what, uh, three-eighths.
2: Yeah. That that
1: was just a prep, you know, that was preparation for for now. See Well
0: I'm still
1: waiting for my own
0: meal. Uh, Yeah, I want to piggyback on there on what Trey said too, because when I was a kid in that backseat of this analogy, we went to the Burger King and I my dad's he just ordered said, Hey, let me get four cheeseburgers. And I said, But but dad, I I don't like cheese. He told (laughs) me, I'm sorry, give me three cheeseburgers and he pulled off.
1: So, you but, learn to be quiet and be ready for yeah, what you see, got you,
0: got you can have, take it or leave it at any time so <laughs> yeah so I think the point I'm trying to understand is I've talked to a lot of people on this show over the years and young people have really made some good points they have said that you know I hear what you're saying Reggie but they're still saying politics does not benefit all people equally so why be a mm-hmm. part of something that's not really going to help us that's like saying here's a glass that's got a uh, little poison in this glass over here has got a lot of poison which no, one I, of the two do you want I don't want okay. any poison so why, why should I even drinking this cup
1: I can put that to uh, something that anybody who who's played sports will get you on a high school team you playing this so great big uh, catholic high school this big magnet school that's got uh, 2,000 students and 30 buses pulling up and here's any bitty little you know John Q public high school you see that team across the field. Do you still put your uniform on and get out there on the field or the court? Or do you go, nah, we ain't gonna beat these dudes. No, you get on up and you go out there and do it anyway. Mm. It's the exact same thing. Because you don't know what's in the future. And if you and if you take that mindset of why should I do it, they don't have to whoop you. You done whooped yourself. Mm-hmm. It's in a fight. See, Think about getting in a fight. What's that, book, man? I'm gonna tear you up. I'm gonna knock your head off. Right. Is you gonna turn around and one Because when I was a kid, after I ran from a bully more than a couple times, my daddy gave me what and told me the next time you run from that bully, I'm gonna beat you even harder. Yeah. I went to school the next day and beat three dudes Dang. in the parking lot because wow. I was more scared of my daddy than I was of any. Right. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah, I, and that's what you got to do. You can't, you can't let that scare you. You can't let that. They want you to think that. They praying to God you think that. That's why they scream and holler and get all loud and great big beard and look all scary and make you think, hey, hey please. Talk is cheap, and you won't credit. So.
0: I, I, I guess I don't look at it that way. I guess I, I'm thinking that you you're you you're, you're saying that it's not really worth my time because really, if I take my dollar. Say, say all, all the Hispanic groups say, you know what? We're no longer going to Walmart. From now, we're going to take our money to to Target for everything we want. I guarantee you, people will start listening to you. So I don't think it's really the fact that you have Thank to be a part of the the system that you have to be organized. Isn't that right. what Brother Malcolm tried to teach everybody? Okay,
1: now organized. I agree there. Yeah, that that's 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 one hundred percent. But the other half of that coin is once you do that, how does that how does our society work? Our society works through government. How do we get government? <laughs> Through elections. So if you don't put somebody in there, you've done all that and you still got to get past the people who are writing the laws and enacting the laws. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So let me use it Hey, Reggie, this is Sam. This is uh, Tragan. Let me ask you this question. So then, let's use the example of what happened with a, the with a trucker out there in Colorado. So... No, there's a right. po- a lot of public opinion that this guy should not have got 110 years for this accident. And so what no. happened, a lot of the, the truckers got into that, that situation and said, hey, we're not going to Colorado. A lot of people got on the sidelines saying that they, should, they shouldn't be doing this. And at the end of the day, that public opinion weighed a lot more than, than the, the folks who were in legislation. And what did they do? They came back with the guy only came back with 10 years of of, of, of jail time now versus that 110 years uh, <laughs> consecutive. Yeah. So that's that's Good an point. example of, of people coming up to, to doing something different uh, outside of the public agenda or, or, or voting as well, too.
1: Yeah. See, that was a matter that can be, you know, affected that way. But if you're not behind the room when they're writing laws and drafting legislations and mm. putting bills forward, you're not in there. So you got to have somebody in there when that's happening now that worked for that because it was fine the judge whoever it was or the governor can grant clemency and that worked but our laws don't work like that so you have to get out there's no i mean i understand what people because i didn't vote i am tell you until i moved to chicago and at the time i was uh, had to be i don't know early mid-20s but until then i hated politics my mother was ran for school board and city council I knew it was a purpose, but I went in, it was just like, I, I, I felt the exact same way. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I learned, hey, other things, but if you're not there when they putting that legislation together, it ain't in there. Now that does work because when we had the pandemic and, and a lot of pro athletes, look, I'm not playing ball. Well, we saw the power that right. that had. Yeah. You know, when, when, when guys got out there after George Floyd and said, "Has enough is enough on them pro athletes. Oh, yeah. And that's all it takes. Really, I, 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 Pro athletes and certain celebrities—I ain't gonna call them no names—but there's a lot more that they can do that can turn our country around like that. You know, yeah. if you've yeah. got if you're let if you're one of the the so-called uh, richest black women in the, in the country or in America, there ought to be a bank in at least regional parts of this country with your name on it, where we can go and get a loan so we can do some things, and I and our I standard living can come up because they got redlined this for property values and and mortgages from banks. So who do we turn to? The only thing we can turn to is government, which is why the other side keeps stringing socialism and socialism. and it, It's just a word. What you call socialism, we call the only people who's going to do anything for us. There's left up to the private sector. The private sector, like, like the man said, corporations are people too, my friend. See? And this, people have prejudices.
0: Yes, Reggie, this is word again. Let me ask you this. And really enjoyed this discussion with you because you're making me think about things I didn't think about before.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you know how the country was giving out these stimulus checks here not too long ago. And I know a lot of people were uh, saying, hey, what about reparations for African-Americans? We're the only people who never got money. So yeah. do you think the government really, um, you said it works. So you said the government's really looking out for African-Americans at this point since they were once three-fifths of a man then, which is still on the books in 2022. Do you think they're looking out for us? And it was that the best solution was to give us a fourteen hundred dollars check here, six hundred dollars check. Is that effective, in your opinion?
1: I ain't gonna turn down nothing. <laughs> it helped, <laughs> it, it was it could have could have been you know disseminated differently. Uh, that PPP loan deal that went on, you know, to get my game off the ground. Here I am. I have, uh, got an associate's degree in paralegal studies through an American Bar. Association approved program uh, I've got a patent pending for a design and utility for a brand new product now with all of that I couldn't get dime one but yet mm-hmm. I know you know anecdotally of people that sell dope for a living this scam the system and got money now sure. the system's coming after them right so yeah um again that's why they put out those phrases socialism and all oh, that's just a label to scare people they put a label on you and majority of people if you put a box on the street and went contaminated. Do not open. Are oh, you going to open that box to find out? No. no that's would. why they stick labels on us, right? You know, you 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 walk in the you walk down the street, you smell something foul, and there's a garbage can next to you. You're not going to lift the garbage can up. This, you know it's garbage. So that's why they put these labels out to scare people. Talk about socialism and and so on and so forth. Well, mm-hmm. we've been waiting on the private sector that trickle down supply side economics. You know, the whole key behind slavery was the justification. Well, you know, the, the job creators and the people with money, they need to be free during the day so they can come up with new ideas and stimulate the economy. And we have people to do the meager works. Well, we doing the meager works. Well, where's, the, where's your end? Where's the part that you're supposed to put up so we can quit doing this meager work?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess I'm thinking also about um, Eddie Griffin, a famous comedian. He mm-hmm. said right. that's interesting. And he said, instead of, remember, they gave the big bailout to all the car industry, people, all that stuff, to, to save everybody. They gave, what, billions of dollars? I don't know how many billions they gave. Too big, big to fail. Too big to yeah. fail. Mm-hmm. But Eddie yes. said something, mm-hmm. He said what would have been better, his opinion, is if roughly 322 million Americans, what if he would have gave every American a million dollars and said, here's the stipulation. You have to keep your job, but we can give all y'all a million dollars instead of giving billions to the car industry. That way, everybody will say, hey, I'm going to give me a new house. I'm going to give me a car. I'm going to do this and that. And that would have stimulated the economy. So it seems like the government is not really working for the average person because typically people in power tend to look out for other people like them. So if you're trying to count on your government to help you out, seems like you're really not voting for yourself.
1: Again, that's why I say I, I get on certain athletes and celebrities as making like said, record money. Well, then it's up to people like y'all. What's that phrase? Uh, too much is given, much is re- is needed. And I think too much is given, you know, much more is required. know, you made it back. You got an obligation to turn around, reach back and grab somebody else. Otherwise, if somebody hadn't pulled you up, you wouldn't be there. So that's but what I got. I'm going to pick up a lot of these celebrities. I mean, y'all the richest people the richest black persons in america and y'all can't do not a single bank with your name on it you know no housing development project that that, you know in every city in america we we got these gentrified neighborhoods and neighbor and our neighborhoods are falling apart and the only time they do repair them is just before they move us out swoop in and take it over jack the rent up and gentrification
0: Yeah, that's true, but I, I think you really—it's really hard to put that kind of weight on on a black celebrity because, like Jeff Bezos, he got enough money to give everybody
2: a billion dollars, right? Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> here we go. Jeff Bezos ain't not to the, of the
1: slaves. No, 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 no.
2: I feel you. you know, do that.
1: I, I, hear, I hear you. Feel me? Yeah. Jeff Bezos ain't to descend to the slaves. Jeff Bezos don't know the Jeff Bezos don't know the crack of a whip. We know this. There's no excuse for us. Not to do what we're supposed to be doing for each other. Mm-hmm. If yeah. not, if it's not one of them, who really?
2: If not, who? who, who who's gonna be the one? Hey, Brett, Brett, you, here's something
3: to think about. I was just doing some, just real quick and some numbers. Did you know that the average salary? Of a U.S. congressman or as a U.S. senator is one hundred
2: seventy-four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, so yeah. then,
3: what are they doing with that money to make sure that it's been? It's, 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 how hard are they working for the common man to make sure that that <laughs> money is done the right way? I'm
1: just saying, and it isn't just a the salary. They get a per diem. They get travel allotments, mm-hmm. expense account. Exactly. They don't have to touch their salary
2: mm-hmm. when they go out to do a. When you go out to do a little and they're giving fours to somebody they come out the, the congressman we got a budget for that again there's another hurdle that you don't even have to hop mm-hmm. it's just me I'm I have a free natured heart if I do win this game does sell oh yeah mm-hmm. I had to change it up I first bought an original game and it was the you know, original Cavity sand, slighted nose Went to a toy and game convention for a few years back. Hasbro. It's an element of Hasbro, I couldn't use it. In order to change my game, I had to come up with a new indicator. Well, that day on the news during the pandemic, I'm sitting back here a couple months later. Okay, get on it. Governor Cuomo's getting COVID-19 test. News. I looked at him holding my game in my in my hand, the original with the hold in Trump's nose. I looked at Cuomo. And in the distance, I can see my dresser on my dresser. I go, Oh, and get like two spoons of bread in like Go back to the it. I looked at the game, I looked at Cornwall, looked at that, and then, Oh, COVID 19 test for the COVID 19 test. You know, you get motivation from whatever way you can in this. Okay. If, if you find reasons not to do something, you'll always find a reason not to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. So get out of bed. Clean your house, clothes, you which come of a reason not to do something. But it takes more courage to get something done than it does to lay in the insane Okay. Get some men for a boot camp. Sure. All
0: that out of my head. Yeah, okay. I, I see your point. I'm going to raise you on that. But before we move on to our final section here, I just want to ask one last question on this topic. Let's try got one. This is my last question on this topic for you, though. Know. Here. If, if, uh, I don't know the difference between a Republican or a Democrat. I really really don't know. To me, they're they're really the same thing. I don't know. But let me ask you this. If a person was a good, honest-hearted person, made no mistakes, did, did all his things he was supposed to do in society, which way would he vote? if he had to vote for somebody something
1: happened i missed all of what you guys just said everything went completely dead on my end for a while
0: okay yeah you, you're clear now you, we did lose you for a second but we're back let me repeat this last question the final question I want to ask you is this let's say a man is a good upstanding citizen paying his taxes faithful to his wife doing everything he's supposed to do in society which way would he vote if at all for a politician which way would he go democrat republican not at all what would he do
1: Well, you can look at what's been happening and and choose from there. Do you want to go with the crowd of people that's uh, screaming for blood? You don't see none of us in them. I mean, you do. You see three or four people they put directly behind the speaker with a shirt saying, Blacks for Uh so-and-so. Or do you go where you see a diverse crowd where you're welcome? Now, me, when I move to a new town, I'm at home in the woods, uh, the desert, the city, wherever I go, I'm at home. But I'm not gonna move in the neighborhood where I'm the only person that looks like me, and I see rebel flags and Tea Party flags everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I might be comfortable there, but are they comfortable with me there? Mm-hmm. Something else you got to consider.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to. Unless you have you have more questions on this part right before we move on. No, I'm good. Go ahead, All right. We're gonna move on to the final section here called Getting to Know You. We we'll just ask you some basic fun questions. To get your thought on. Okay, Reggie. Okay. So looking at your page, I came up with this question I want to know which one is a better series, Star Trek or Star Wars?
1: Ooh. <laughs> All right. Since Star Trek is more scientific based and Star Wars is more kind of a mystical Jedi religion, it depends on your choices. Yeah. I, I consider myself a lion of the tribe of Judah. I believe and know that all the black folks in America are the original descendants from Abraham, Solomon, Samson, King David, the Messiah, you name them. Those are all us, you know? So I like either side. Yeah, I. Um, but Star Trek is more diverse. There's a lot more of it out there. Oh, uh, right. You can kill a lot more time with Star Trek than you can with Star Wars. Okay. Mm, okay. And, and so I want to mention something earlier. You mentioned Eddie Griffin. It's just, there's no coincidence Eddie Griffin, my brother Brian used to work security for Eddie Griffin. Oh, yeah? Okay. Not, yeah, 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 he used to work security. I don't think he's with him now. Uh, I don't know if Brian is off. He's, well, he's older than, two years older than me, so a year and a half older than me. Mm. So he's not working as much. Yeah, he was security for Eddie. Yeah, I, I like Eddie. Some of the stuff Eddie has I, on his site, I, I really did. Yeah. Some of the others, you know, Eddie kind of is little anti-vaccine, and that's his—that's his privilege. You got a right to do that, dumb. Mm-hmm. I was in the military, and you got a vaccine from the time you walked in there. You got a shot. Anything on the planet because you might not know in forty-eight hours, you might have to be anywhere on the globe. So,
0: right. okay, all right. Um, what do you like watching on TV? What are some shows you you enjoy watching?
1: Uh, again, Star Trek. <laughs> big bang theory believe it or not <laughs> I, I was i was nerdy growing up in high school okay um gordon ramsey's cooking shows uh the youngest of seven kids so i was always the one home helping cook and i can make anything from scratch and i went to prison i had nothing but time so i think i saw every cooking show on fox tbs and whoever else and, and cable that, you, that there was okay um yeah, i'm other than that, I don't really watch as much TV as I used to because there ain't that much out there nowadays, and it gets kind of repetitive.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I do like all the Marvel
1: spinoffs. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Winter Soldier was good. I really dug them.
2: Okay, you know. okay, okay. What
0: you got to try.
3: Okay, so here's a quick question for you. So you know, some of us they're not. Average coffee drinkers—they don't know what a good cu- cup of coffee even even looks like, Wardy. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in your opinion, which 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 kind of coffee is stronger—the brew that you got uh, in, in prison or the brew that you got with the Marines? Which one was stronger? Wow.
1: Ah, uh, well. See, I wasn't. I'm not a real big. I, I'll have coffee in the wintertime when it's cold, occasionally. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more of a tea drinker. I do a lot more tea. In fact, my, my daughter has a, 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 a site on Instagram, Tea Uwanna. So if you know anybody who likes tea, it's spelled T-E-A underscore U underscore Wana W-A-N-N-A. Okay.
0: okay.
3: And so she,
1: yeah, she, she makes her own, she dehydrates her own fruit and all that to make her own tea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, she, she really didn't want the family to, to get on a lot because the algorithm will pick up just family. And she wanted it to branch off. So I haven't really gone on that much. I'm giving her a space, but yeah. I so do you like, uh, yeah. you like the
3: Earl Grey coffee, like uh, Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek?
1: Yeah, Earl Grey tea <laughs> is very nice. It has a kind okay. of a citrusy kind of taste to it. It's, it's strong. Uh, okay. I like that. I like I like a lot of a ginger tea or a lot of citrus tea, okay. especially since the pandemic. I, I really loaded up with a lot of ginger and citrus to, you know, to immunize, as my guy said. <laughs> he didn't get vaccinated he got immunized so yeah i've gotten both vaccines and a booster so yeah i got got the pfizer shots and i got a a moderna booster because i thought i had Moderna in the first place but i didn't it turns out it was pfizer so
0: okay all right um who's been the most uh influential person in your life reggie
2: Ooh
1: most influential in my life if i had to narrow it down to one human being or probably two other than you know family or parents bruce lee and muhammad ali oh
0: oh man i do i've studied
1: i've studied well my dad used to box my brothers boxed my uncle boxed i boxed in the marine corps for a hot bit until i got sent to hawaii um I've studied everything Bruce Lee ever written, because back then, Bruce was fresh. I took my first karate lessons in 68 after watching the Green Hornet premiere on the episode of Batman. And next summer, me and my brother, we got my mom to get us karate lessons. We started out in Taekwondo. I've had everything from wushu, gung-fu, shaolin, long fist. I even had a guy in Hawaii show me some drunken monkey. Yeah, Uh, that's popular. That's very popular. It's hard on your ankles, and and right now I'm 62 with DJD. E. Yeah, getting down some of them pitching positions anymore, man. My knees and ankles can't take it. But the good thing is, what that does is that teach you. You cut out all that BS. Just like Bruce Lee said, I'm watching people doing kicks on Instagram, and you're doing a high kick. Well, that's great if you can kick your foot perpendicular and your body's at a 90 degree angle and your foot straight up. Who is that tall?
2: Why are you? <laughs> use
1: that? You never you know. know. You're never gonna use that. It looks great. Yeah, it's nice form. But it's unless you're kicking, you know, you're kissing Kareem and you're going to kick him or Shaq in his chin and you're standing <laughs> next to him, you're never going to use that. So, mm-hmm. like Bruce said, there's a lot of junk they put in there that's just for style. Now that I'm older and I haven't done a lot in years, my body hurts. I can look at this stiff Taekwondo and some of those Shokan, some of these stiff rigid arts, and I see, yeah, that stiffness is just going to ruin your joints and you're going to be where I am and I studied Kung Fu so I avoided most of that I can imagine how some of those guys joints are micro fractures mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. come on you know uh, it's, <laughs> it's interesting you brought up Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee
0: because they they were both asked if those two got in a fight who would win and, and Bruce Lee's answer was interesting who, who do you think would win between Bruce Lee and, and Muhammad Ali
1: because uh, Bruce, has, Bruce has more weapons somebody back in the day when, man, I'd love to see you and Mike Tyson fight. Well, first of all, you had to be crazy to fight Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? I don't know how much money you pay me. Only when I'm fighting Mike Tyson is Mike's trying to kill somebody, and I got to save them, mainly me. But... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you still got to think. But no, it's more weapons. You see, in martial arts, and now unless you train Muhammad to use his legs, mm-hmm. well, my leg is much longer than your arm. You'll yeah. never get near me.
0: Justify and that's
1: why you—that's why you have to kick any higher than knee, shin, or waist or midsection high. You know, anything the higher up you go, it takes longer. You're getting closer to the head and eye target, and all I gotta do is put my hand on the center line and block the blows as you come.
0: Yeah,
3: but
1: you know more using martial arts than you do boxing.
0: Um, Bruce Bruce Lee said Muhammad Ali is the only person in the world who could ever beat him that he would ever fear. He said that he said he was too disciplined. He was too good at his craft. And he was powerful. Bruce Lee said that. He said that. I was surprised too, because I studied hot keto for three years. And I know that Bruce Lee, I I would be more scared of Bruce Lee, but he said it. I mean, he said he really gave Muhammad Ali his props because he said he was a phenomenal athlete that he had never seen in his life.
1: And that's That's why I said, hold on, boy. We got to
3: stop for a second. I thought you said you was eating hot Cheetos. (laughs) No. What are you talking about, man?
2: No, oh, no, you
0: Let me let me ask him another question. Uh, what what are you most proudest of, Reggie, in your life? What are you most proudest of?
1: Woo. Um. Honestly, the fact that my kids know what time it is. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that I done done The fact that my kids Ain't standing there waiting on I hate to blow anybody's heart Then my kids aren't waiting for Santa Claus Okay Come on man There ain't no Santa Claus There never was no Santa Claus Your mom and daddy hustled hard for them gifts And you're going to give credit to some dude who you really don't want to sit on his lap
2: (laughs) You like anybody (laughs) I know Right So yeah. Uh,
1: and even even the real if there was a Santa Claus uh, he was a black guy because they even still carried a tradition on in Europe. They got a little dude called Black Pete. Mm. It's a little elf and he's black. Why is he black? Well they say he's black because he's been going up and down the chimney.
2: Oh, well wow. Santa's been going up
1: and down the chimney. Why ain't he black? Yeah. Because the original givers in this world were, were, were brown and black and red skinned people. Everywhere right. I hate to say it, I don't mean to be cruel, but everywhere the European went he had difficulty and the indigenous people helped him out. You know, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. What they do? They helped them out. And you know, and you know the real reason why Native Americans helped out for Thanksgiving. Why they helped the Europeans?
2: Uh, because they.
1: Because no, the, the uh, natives were, were migratory in the winter when the weather got cold. We ain't stupid. That's why the teepees collapsed and we can drag them down south where it's a little bit warmer. Well, when they came back north, they asked the Europeans, "Hey, where's we all had?" It was a rough winter. We had to eat them, and that's the truth. Oh yeah, uh, I was one year. I was at uh, what year? Sixteen? I forgot the year. There was a massacre in Virginia, one of a few. Where there, yeah, there was at least nineteen slaves in the camp. Well, they, and when they came back, the Europeans that was alive was emaciated, starving. They was eating the bones of the dead. Yeah, well, they ate them slaves. That was the first thing to go in the pot when they ran out of food because they we ain't sleep feeding y'all slaves. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fact. That's true. Man, I got to
0: look that up. Yeah, I got to look that oh, yeah.
1: up, too. Oh, yeah. It's real.
0: Um, I want to ask you this other question, too. I meant to ask you this earlier. I look at pictures, and I, I like to think I can read people and see what they were. Uh, I want to express, uh, Trey and I want to express our condolences on the loss of your brother, Wendell. Mm-hmm. What, what was he uh, like? He seemed, he seemed like he was a fun guy. What was he like?
1: Yeah, my brother, Wendell. Uh, everybody has, you know, we I'm the youngest of seven kids. My brother, Wendell, was two above me. And everybody got one brother in the family that looked out for you and then you piled around with Well, me back in the day, me and my brother Wendell. He was the one like that with me. Wendell was a hustler. He always kept some money. He either had a paper route or a job working a little corner, little corner deli store downtown. Uh, always hustled. Uh, he died in um, 76. He made the at, the at the time the sixth person on record to die from sickle cell treats.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. He was on the boxing. He was boxing in a little smoker, a little boxing event at Fort Knox, Kentucky. September uh, 1st, I believe the date was. And the guy never hit him. Everybody said he was beating the dude. And all of a sudden, he started catching cramps and started convulsing and then passed out. Well, the elevation and the exertion. That's why in the NFL, lately, there was a couple of people that can't play. There was somebody. I'm a Steelers fan. And I think there was somebody used to play for the Steelers that couldn't play in Denver. Oh. Something similar to that. Yeah. Well, that's why. If you have sickle cell trait, it attacks your body's ability to mm-hmm. uh, assemble oxygen. Well, okay. if you're going to something physical and you're in a higher elevation with less oxygen, mm-hmm. if you have trait, I can figure that. And it don't take but one episode. And that's how we found out about my brother. We didn't know he had trait. We didn't know. Nobody in the family. We didn't test for it back then. And after he died, we all got tested. And he was the only one of us that really, I think, had it. Okay. Um, it. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's something that... Uh, they're learning more and more about now and that's when you, yeah. that's what, what yeah. came out of here
0: absolutely yeah uh, i worked on a sickle cell uh, team uh, a few years back too, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you're a Steelers fan because I'm a huge Steelers fan. In my Yo, you not like you He loves the uh, he loves stop, the, the New England Patriots. You so. need to okay. We're well, gonna uh, have to wrap that up, man.
1: Nobody's um, perfect, bro.
0: Hey, don't be trying to
3: flip it, man. I I am black and yellow, black and yellow. I ain't gonna go there. I don't want to hear that noise.
2: <laughs> Uh, You know, I I tell people when I was a kid, I was a Cowboys
1: fan. Bob Hayes, Don Meredith, Lance Renzo. that was back in the days, you know. But you know, like the Bible say, uh, when I was a child, I did childish things. When I became
2: a man, I put them away.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Well, all right, well we, we're going to come to the close of this show, so uh, we want to thank our esteemed guest, Mr. Reggie Sanders, for dropping by the lab and sharing his life experiences with us and his huge endeavors. Reggie, uh, please share with the listeners where they can find you on social media and any other uh, final thoughts you want to say before I do the close.
1: Okay, well, I can run down part of my game. Like, the different elements of my game mirror everything that Trump's done. I have removed forked tongue because he lies so much, you know, and that's confirmed. I have a obstacle where you have to tighten loose screw. You'll see a screw going at the side of his head. Well, I put a set screw inside a wooden dial rod and you take a screwdriver that's connected to the switchboard and you turn the screw until a little green light comes on and you solve at least temporarily relieve his mental problems. There's a uh, repair roaming hands. You know, kitty cat in one hand and we know why the cat's in his hands because you can reach out and grab him by the meow. <laughs> um, he's, we- he's wearing a diaper. He's- He's wearing a diaper. Uh, there's a diaper card number one and diaper card number two. Diaper card number one is a little uh, tinky-winky, little toadstool, little purple toadstool. Card number two is a little poop emoji because I I had the photograph. He pooped his pants on the golf course wearing a pair of white khaki pants while sweating. Okay. So that didn't take a second to come hmm. through. Uh, and if it was any other senior citizen, I would cut him a husk. But with this clown, nah, man. <clears throat> no quarter, no mercy. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, and in my game, the reason why I have design and utility patent is because, like I said, I incorporated magnets into the game. In the bottom of each well, there's a little magnet about the size of two quarters, or 50 cent piece. They're really strong, and I have metal game pieces. So when you reach in there and pull them out, they'll jump around, there's split poles on the magnet, and it mirrors Trump's statement that it's a totally rigged system.
2: Mm.
1: And that gave me design and utility patent because no one else has ever used metal game pieces. Made it based off real people, uh, made the game off you know political events, or used metal. I said magnets and metal game pieces. That's never been done. So I have design and utility patents in the work. It's just if I if I were somebody else, this thing would have been on the market three years ago. But mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't want you to have food stamps when when the mill closed. So. Yeah. Getting seven thousand dollars to get a, a financial venture up together up and running, especially when it's gonna embarrass a person and an entire section of a party. You know, they, they don't want that, but you can't stop it, you know. First slave ship came to America in fifteen fifty five, the good ship De Jesus out of Limbeck, England. Never mind the sixteen nineteen project, that was many years later. And it took them and they started bringing slaves in 1550. You had to get to get the contract award to make sure you've got a good route. You can supply the world with what we need, just like any other commodity. We were looked at as a commodity. Mm-hmm. So our ship got here in 1555. They only want to give you credit for, you know, 400 years now at best, 401. Uh, we got about 465 years under our belt, 66, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So, okay.
0: Well, well, Reg, go ahead and tell us again, um, where people find you on social media because we're going, going to go and wrap it up here
2: uh
1: well i i just have a i don't have a site set up specifically for the game just yet okay. i have a twitter page that's uh reg large 777 Reginald sanders uh facebook page you know i usually just facebook with folks i know or for in some type of group i do have instagram you know like you have the same thing reg large 777 okay i only got that because i was trying to when i first got out of prison getting the internet account and i kept putting reggie Reginald sanders my god everything i put every variation was somebody had it my buddy <laughs> went well you know they call you big Reg or Reg large you ought to put that down
0: there you
1: go <laughs> but there was one other Reg large so i put 777 for completion and, and good favor and put that on and so yeah
0: that's it all right well let me go ahead and get these final thoughts and then we'll wrap it up uh, the What's Up Aboard Podcast final thoughts are as follows. As inventors, leaders, or anyone trying to make a difference, I say this. Lose your fear of failure. Failure is a part of the process. People who have never failed have never really tried. You have to fail because you have to get it wrong in order to get it right. Look how many times little babies fall down when they're trying to learn how to walk. You really don't learn anything from winning because you really learn from your failures. Matter of fact, billionaire Warren Buffett is quoted as saying, he won't invest in anyone's business unless they failed the at two other businesses because they know what to do moving forward. I know I personally come a lot of failures myself, and I consider all those learning moments. I failed more times than I succeeded, but still I rise. On behalf of Trey, Reggie, and the What's Up Award podcast, we thank you guys for listening to this episode. And please be sure to like and follow us and come back again next week and see who we have as a guest. Peace.
2: Peace. Peace.